And if the Lord is putting on your heart something, I'd definitely love to hear about what God's doing. Amen? Amen. You know, I think one of the greatest subjects that we could talk about is Jesus. Right? Somebody asked the old preacher one day, he said, what you preaching on? He said, I'm, I'm preaching on sin. I'm against it. You go from the north, that means against it. Somebody asked me one day, what are you, what are you preaching on? I said, well, I'm preaching on the pulpit. <laughs> but the reality is, is that there's no greater subject. There's no greater word, no greater name, but the precious and powerful and wonderful name of our Lord and our Savior, our God, our King. His name is Jesus. Amen? And I think that we, when we understand for us our our vision is that everybody needs Jesus. Whether you have been in church all your life or whether you've never been in church at all, everybody needs Jesus because we need Jesus to, to walk every day. We need the grace of our Lord and Savior to live out a life for Him. Amen? Everybody needs Jesus. And we, we understand that our mission is we want to see people grow in Christ. We want to see people know Christ, know his body. We want to see people grow in Christ and grow in his body. We want to see people show Christ through his body to the world. And so we, we understand we need Jesus. But how many times do we get crossed up? How many times do we get confused? Because so many times when we recognize that there's thousands and thousands of people who need Jesus, but oftentimes we have culturalized our Christianity into a box of our own uh, microcosm of, of society and we've made Jesus into something that he's really not. Come on. And I think that we need to get back to understanding who Jesus is and what he does for us. Amen. Because we can have all kinds of Christianese. We can have all kinds of lingo. We, we, uh, we walk up to people and, and we live in a religious Bible Belt Society, and we know the lingo of church. I mean, even the, the, the drunk on the on, walking down the sidewalk, you can co come up to him and you can talk about uh, different lingo, and they know the lingo. I'm blessed. What? I don't know what you blessed with, but you three sheets to the wind. And sometimes we've gotten into the lingo of Christianity without demonstrating the anointing and the understanding of what Jesus was truly about. Amen? And so this morning, I want us to, to get into looking at what Jesus was all about. I want us to understand that, that Jesus loves us, and he wants us to express that love. And I want to, to look at what that looks like in something a little different. I know that this is probably elementary, but I think at times we need to get back to the basis of who Jesus is, what he wants to do in us, and stop focusing on the things that are not, not necessary. Amen. I mean, look, in our Western mentality, we've gotten to the, to the mindset, well, I just, you know, we, 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 we look at this idea of wanting to win converts instead of disciples, right? And we've gotten this mindset, well, if, if you can just punch your ticket, if you'll just accept Jesus and say these few words and punch your ticket, it doesn't matter. Jesus loves you. Go live the way you want to live. What? That's not how it goes. You can't just 
you know, get saved and go live like you want to live? Boy, but isn't that way a lot of people live? Isn't that how it's materialized and actualized in a lot of people? They come and get their uh, burdens off their chest. They come and lay things down, and as soon as they walk out, they pick it back up, and they walk back out, and they live the same life they've always lived, and, and, and yet with a twist. They go do the same things they've always done. God help us, amen? Because when we recognize that Jesus is not just Jesus Christ, that's not his last name, he's the king. Christ is the anointed one. He's the king of glory. He, he is the Messiah. And, and therefore, as the king of glory, when we accept him as our king, when we understand and we grab a hold and recognize that he is the king of glory, then we surrender to him as king. And then we actively obey his kingship. That's what salvation looks like. It's an act of obedience in a relationship with a king who not only loves us, but and cares for us greater than any other person in the world, but gives us the ability to walk out that life under his kingship. And he's a supplier. He's, he's the one who protects. He's the one who cares for. Amen? Amen. Amen. So this morning I want to look at uh, Luke chapter 7. And I'm going to be starting at verse 11 in just a moment. But, but I think we need to understand that Jesus is a miraculous God, isn't he? He wants to do the miraculous. He does the miraculous. He's working uh, in and around us. And, 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 I, and I don't want to take away from the power of God. I don't want to take away from the, the, the power of God, the miraculous. I don't want to take away from all of those factors because the Bible says in Matthew 16 that these signs shall follow them that believe, right? So we know that there are some signs that follow the believers. There are some miraculous things that happen, but at the same time, I want us to understand that there's more than just miraculous things. And what are those miraculous things to accomplish in today's world? What are they, what are they supposed to, to manifest? If we just do miraculous things, then guess what the, where the glory goes? It's not about us. It's about Him. Everywhere Jesus went, up on a funeral possession now I don't know about you but there's different areas and different cultural contexts do funerals in different ways right because in in Honduras they don't embalm so therefore a funeral has to be done like within 24 hours someone passes away and and immediately they have uh, the all-night um, wake y'all remember when back in the old days they used to do all-night wakes and now we now we can't stay awake But uh, I, I have spent many nights in Honduras down under some, you know, shack-looking house singing songs and, and spending time with family for a wake. And, and, uh, and so the cultural context was different. Nowadays, you know, uh, we, we try to have a funeral fairly quick. We do it within, in our areas. I've been in South Carolina, raised there, here in Tennessee for uh, quite a few years. And here we... About three to five days, right? Three. 
See? There's an exact time. Three days. And usually that's to make sure the family gets in, right? <laughs> but you know, it's even coming even more common today because of the cost of, of an expensive burial is cremation. And different people have different views uh, uh, theologically of if that's appropriate or not, but that is a very common thing that happens. Um, and so they might be three to four weeks out before there's a, a memorial service. And, and you know how many... I, it, these days when we're going to the graveyard, we'll drive down the road and, and uh, you know everybody's got their flashers on and people pull over to the side of the road, right? Well, at least the people from around here. <laughs> but you know, in other areas, you're right, Cornelia, in other areas... You know, you, you pull off the side of the road, you might get runned over. That's run over for some of you guys who didn't understand. But here, rewinding 2,000 years ago, in the times and days of Christ Jesus, a funeral, uh, there was a procession that was much like uh, the gathering of a celebration for a wedding in the sense that people would come and they would the celebration of Cana of Galilee where Jesus uh, manifested a mirror, his first miracle. This was a celebration of six to seven days. And so therefore, a funeral was something that was, was you know, very public. I mean, they had a procession that walked through the downtown area, if you will. They were walking through the courtyards of the city and people would come together and follow them to the place where they were going and they would mourn together and, and, and how many had that, that one aunt that goes to all the funerals just for the food? They would go and they would gather, they would eat, they would be together, they would support each other through that process. And, and that's where we find ourselves in Luke chapter 7, verse 11. It says, soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, he has approached the gate of the city. A dead man was being carried out, the only the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When, when the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her. He said to her, do not weep. Can you imagine somebody come up to you and your only child had just passed away, and they just say, stop crying. Uh-huh. How did that go over? Verse 14. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came in to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all. And they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet has arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And this report concerning him went out all over Judah and all the surrounding areas. Wow. Now there's certainly this kind of... Uh, 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 there's certainly a kind of obvious miracle taking place here, right? I mean, this is Jesus Christ. This is Jesus who can raise the dead. This is the one who can work miracles if he wants. He has the power of life, death, and resurrection. This is Jesus Christ who's capable of doing far above what we may ask or think. So He's so powerful, and his power right here is on display, right? And, and so, so often we see that's what we look at. We only want to look at, man, woo, Jesus. He could raise the dead. And guess what? That's what everybody else was noticing that day. I mean, they, they sit there in fear thinking, wow, look at this 
man who has come and he's walked up into the middle of this procession all the eyes are on him and he has touched this coffin and and this boy has risen from the dead and they're overwhelmed with fear with joy with you know just all kinds of feelings to imagine can you imagine if somebody walks into the funeral home and you're sitting there and they go up to the coffin and says arise and get up and the body gets up how would you feel would that not kind of startle you a little bit would that not kind of overwhelm you with some types of emotion would you not go out and run and say, guess what there's somebody here that raises the dead did y'all have y'all's coffee this morning come on now i mean doesn't wouldn't that kind of overwhelm you a little bit well, this is the same happening that's taking place right here and we read this story and a lot of times we want to notice the miracle itself but I want us to notice something else. I want us to catch the actions that Jesus did in the midst of this miracle because I believe that so often we overlook the details. Come on. And how Jesus, what he did as he interacted with the widow herself. This is interesting here because when you, when you look at this, Jesus was often moved with compassion. He often when he stepped into a situation that needed a, 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 an absolute miracle, Jesus was very personable in who he spoke with and how he spoke to them. Aren't you glad Jesus is personable? Amen. And so Jesus looks at this woman in probably the, the, the worst circumstance that she could ever be. I mean, know that Jesus understands where we are. And he speaks into the worst moments of our life. He speaks into the moments that are the hardest. He speaks in when we're in pain. He speaks in when we're in suffering. And, and he understands the heart of this widow. And, and I believe that this is probably a, a highlight, a, a, a moment that we need to all recognize that Jesus, that Jesus looks at this woman and it points out that she was a widow. Now, uh, it's, it's bad enough that she's, she's lost her husband. She's lost the provider of her home. She's lost the one that has been able to care for her financially, the one who's been able to provide a home for her, all of this. And now what has been laid out is now, now the only son that she has, her only hope. See, see we, we don't see this too often because we live in an age where there's Social Security. We live in an age where there's all kinds of stimulus and stipends and all these other uh, avenues of, of uh, welfare and help, but... In those days, there was none of those uh, safety nets, if you will. So not only did she lose the key provider, now she's lost the only other hope that she has to be able to give her the livelihood and the financial stability to have a house and home and food on the table. Can you imagine how she felt? Overwhelmed by this pain. And everybody else is probably just falling in line thinking, well, let's go to a free meal. Let's mourn whoever's dead. They don't even know who's dead. And yet Jesus walks up into the midst of this, into the midst of this procession, and he speaks directly to the woman, to the widow. He says, "Don't cry any longer." And, and he pushes back the crowd, and he and he walks to the casket, and he puts his hand because, as you realize, in those days they were probably carrying the casket on their shoulders as they walked through the town. And Jesus puts his hands on the casket and says, "Hey, son, get up." That's the PDV version. Get up, arise, and automatically he rises out of, uh, out of uh, death and begins to speak. Can you imagine? Wow. Thank you, Jesus. 
that you understand the depths of our pain. You understand the, the hardships we go to, and you speak into that. And I, and I think the first thing that I see is that we need to notice that Jesus sees you when you're in your pain. You're not alone. You're not by yourself. You, you're not invisible. Jesus sees you in your pain. He sees and notices the widow in this procession, and, and he saw and he loved her, and he got involved in the situation. Now, a lot of times, I believe that we won't, Jesus to fix it, right? Especially in our, you know, the male brain, because we like Mr. Fix-its, right? And we even sing the song, Jesus, he will fix it. Jesus, he will fix it. Right? So we want Jesus to fix it. We want God to come in and say, Lord, you see the pain? Fix it. God, you see what I've lost? Fix it. God, you see the struggle I'm going through. You see the atmosphere that I'm having to live in. You see the work environment that I'm struggling with. God, why don't you come in and just fix it? Come on. Anybody ever prayed that? Some of y'all lying. Yeah. God, fix it. God, step in and do something. We want God to fix it. Sometimes we look at Jesus and say, well... I mean, if you're really good, God, if you're really uh, who you say you are, if, if you're really faithful, if, you, if you're really what you say you are, why don't you come in and fix my problem? Why don't you come in and, and do something about this? Why don't you correct the errors that's going on in my life? I mean, when you look at Jesus into the situation, he did fix it. When you look at Jesus stepping into this funeral procession, he fixed the error. He fixed, he corrected the problem that this woman was having to go through. And he, he raised this son, this provider for her home, and he fixed it. But there were probably others in that same vicinity that had issues. There were others who probably were overwhelmed by problems themselves. And it doesn't say that he fixed their stuff. It doesn't say that he did anything. And reality is, is that this young man who he raised, guess what? He died again. And if you look at the generation that was around that boy that day, every one of them at some point died. So in other words, that just because the Lord is able to fix our situations, just because the Lord is able to do something about it, doesn't always mean that he fixes our issue. It doesn't always mean that he, uh, that he does anything other than step in with us. That's a good one. How many have ever felt invisible before? There's times where I wanted to be invisible. Those bad hair days, that's just about every day. Well, one of these days I won't have any hair, it won't be bad. <laughs> but sometimes we feel invisible. We walk into a room and, and, and we know what's going on in the inside of us and sadly is, is that we put, we put on our own little mask to hide ourselves. We don't want people to know our situations. And in reality, deep down inside, there's something struggling in us. There's something that we're screaming out, wanting somebody to recognize, but yet we don't want to say it. Feel invisible. We go around, and these days we either bump fists or bump elbows or air high fives and all that good stuff. But deep down inside, there's something in us that's longing for communication, longing for somebody to identify the pain that is in us. 
because we, we, we feel unnoticed and unseen. There was a guy in, in San Francisco who wrote, how many have ever heard of TED Talks? Y'all have? Uh, William Lamb, who came and spoke for us, did a TED Talk powerful about being a bus driver. But this one guy, he was feeling very depressed, and he, he was sharing a, a TED Talk about his experience, and, and he literally decided to end his life and he got up on the Golden Gate Bridge and jumped can you imagine that and he survived he survived with a lots of broken ribs and broken bones but he survived and, and, and so he tells the story of how that day went because he was feeling so depressed and so lonely he was feeling so out of touch and felt like nobody cared about his life and he recalls the day that he actually uh, went to the bus bus to get on the bus to go to the Golden Gate Bridge and he says in his eyes he was he was painful he was hurting and everybody he looked at he said would look at him and then they would look down they wouldn't turn and he says even to the very last moment where he got off the bus he was staring intently at the bus driver thinking just maybe he will see something in me that would stop me from this action that I'm about to do now in his TED talk he he really was careful because he didn't want to blame anybody for what he, what he went through because it was his choice and it was what he chose to do. But what he recognized, he says, what people are certainly longing for is somebody just to see them, somebody to recognize our pain, somebody that will reach out and touch, somebody who, just like the widow woman who's walking there in pain, seeing her son dead, knowing her husband's gone, somebody who will stop in the middle middle of our procession and say it's okay honey you don't have to cry Jesus stopped and he took notice and just like he did for that woman Jesus is still stopping he's still looking he's still aware of everything that you're going through and he still cares he's still reaching out he's still wanting to embrace you, to hold you, to love you, and to care for you even in the midst of your pain. Amen? But the, the other thing that I want us to understand is not only does Jesus see us, but Jesus feels our pain. I mean, you're talking about the suffering Savior. You're talking about one that when he, when he stepped out of the boat onto the shore and he saw the masses, he, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. Over and over, when we look throughout the Word of, the, the word of God, we see uh, Jesus' actions. He often was moved with compassion. He literally, his stomach was turned because he saw that there was a need, and it, and it touched his very being. He cared. I'm reminded of a scripture that says in Hebrews chapter 4 and 14 that we don't have a, a high priest, right? We don't have a priest speaking of Jesus who is out of touch with our reality. In other words, Jesus knows exactly how we feel. He's not just sympathetic and knowing and seeing you, and he's moved with your pain or he's moved with your circumstances, but he also feels it. I mean, look, Jesus has been in places of rejection. Jesus has been in places of, an, of, of, of hurt where people spit on him, where they pulled out his beard, where they beat him. Jesus has been to the cross, so he understands. So not only is he sympathetic, 
But Jesus is also empathetic. He understands and he cares and he's compassionate and he wants to help. But you know, I want to go back just for a second because I still believe that some people, even though we understand Jesus is sympathetic, we understand Jesus is empathetic, we still ask Jesus to step in and say, God, fix it. God, take this from me. Let me understand that even Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane said, Father, if it be thy will, take this cup from me. Because he understood the pain. He understood what he was about to accomplish. He understood that the task that he had stepped out from the glorious throne of heaven and onto this earth, he understood what he was going to go through. But I believe that there that the Lord doesn't just step in and fix it because he has a greater plan. How many know that one of these days this old world is going to be made new? Heaven and earth shall pass away. Come on. There's a time that Jesus is looking to that there's going to be an absolute, complete redemption of all the world, all of mankind. But the things that we're facing, the consequences of the humanity of our own sin. And so therefore, Jesus doesn't always fix it. Those times that he steps in, there's times he, he, he does things that are miraculous and that helps us in certain, certain circumstances, but he's looking forward to a day that there will be an ultimate redemption of all things, right? When he steps out of the clouds of glory and he transforms everything. We're looking for that day. But until that time, he steps in with us and he walks beside us. Come on. And he comforts us through the trials. He comforts us through the troubles because he's given us one of the greatest gifts. We don't like it always, but that gift's called free will. And so therefore, we are free agents to choose and or not to choose the things of God. And because we live in a world that has the free agency of choosing good or bad, choosing Christ or not, we live in a world that's in chaos at times. But Jesus says, look, I'm, I'm coming to a time where I'm going to ultimately redeem all mankind that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that I am the Lord. Amen? They're coming a day that's going to take place. But until that day, I want you to be my agents. I want you to choose me. We don't like that, do we? I just wish God would program us. You know, just put the new chip in, let everything be changed. Lord, I don't need to make a decision. I just want to know that I'm doing the right thing. But that's not how it works. How could we truly love God if he made us love him? But he allows us the choice to love him or not. And, and, and he chooses to walk with us in the midst of our trials. He chooses to be with us and care for us. And, and, and give us the grace that, that helps us to walk every single day. He chooses to give us a hand extended, if you will. Through Jesus, he sees us. Jesus, he feels what we feel. He's both sympathetic and empathetic. And lastly, he, he acts on our pain. He does something for us. He moves in with us. Amen? What did he do? Now remember, I'm closing, Josh, if you want to come up here and play. What, what did he do? You know, I was with a, a, a my mentor, if you will, Brother Leon Goforth, great man. Um, he lives near Nashville now, retired. He's 
about 86. Great guy. Had the pleasure of working under him for about seven years. He said, Paul, when you go to the hospital, he said, there's three things you need to remember. You need to remember. A look, a word, a touch. I'm like, that's good advice. And, and I'm thinking, where did he get that from? Jesus, he gave a word, he gave a touch. He looked, he gave a word to him, he touched him. You know, what I really want us to grasp this morning is, is that, yes, Jesus is doing this for us. He's active in our pain, our suffering, our struggles. He's active in our life. But more than even that, is that he's calling us to do the same. He's calling us to see a broken people around us. I mean, know that oftentimes we, we're like on the road uh, and the Samaritan, come by and the Good Samaritan, we're often like that, that person who's, who's passing by. We, the religious person, we see the person hurting, and, and, and it's easy to say, well, let's just make a prayer for them. Right? It's easy to, to stop and just shoot up a little prayer and say, ooh, Lord, just touch me. It's easy for us to walk past and recognize their pain, but, but Jesus does more than just recognize our pain, but he speaks into our pain. He does more than just say, I see you. But he reaches out and touches you. And I believe that if we are truly going to be ambassadors for Christ, yes, we are thankful that the Lord sees us and he knows us. Mimi, I'm thankful that God knows us. He knows us in our brokenness. Sherry, he knows us in our brokenness. And we can put on pretty faces. We can do all kinds of things to make ourselves look good. But there's something on the inside that not everybody sees. And the Lord sees that that's on the inside. He sees the moment when you're by yourself and you don't have the makeup on. You don't have, uh, have yourself together. He sees that. And even in that, he says, I love you. And I care for you. He speaks a word of life into us. He touches us. How many broken people do we come across in our jobs? How many broken people do we come across, whether it's our neighbor or the store attendant or just a friend? And we, we offer the religious side. I'm praying for you. It's easy to throw out some words, but are we truly moved to action on behalf of the hurting and broken? Are we truly allowing the Lord not... We, we say, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. We say, I want to be filled with the power of God. Well, what is our motive? Is our motive so we get the chill bump, so we can do a little woo, so we can do a little dance? 
as our motive so we can run and shout and tell everybody, man, you should have been there today. It was powerful. And we go out and we do the same thing that we did when we walked back in. No sooner than the service is over, we're already saying, well, where are we going to eat? What's changed? If we truly recognize that Jesus sees our pain, that we truly recognize that he is walking with us in empathy and sympathy, and he wants to be moved by action to do something for us, how much more? should we have the same mentality? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. How much more should that emanate from us in a world that needs somebody to love them, that needs somebody to care, that, that's looking for a church that's not just a name only or not just a place where we come and shout, dance, and worship, and go on. No, that's looking for a place that broken people that can come in and they can feel like they're actually cared for. They can feel like they're truly embraced and accepted where they are. But yet knowing that in that process, somebody's going to love them to newness. Somebody's going to be willing to embrace them and care for them and see their life transformed because the reason they came is not because they wanted to stay where they were. The reason they came is not because they want to be judged because of where they are. But the reason they came is because they're looking for somebody to love them enough to speak into their life and say, I need something different. I know the mess I'm in. I know the, the garbage that I've got myself into. I don't need you to point it out. I just need somebody to embrace me in the middle of this. I need somebody to love, love me in my stench and say, I'm here to help you. We're here to see your life transform. We're here to walk this journey out. Just as Jesus stopped the procession, he says, arise. The Lord's looking for someone in this church who's willing to stop the procession of somebody's pain and say, arise. Amen? I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what you're feeling, but I want you to know this. Jesus loves you. And he wants you to be on that team. This morning you might say, Pastor, I've been feeling invisible. I'm that one. I've been broken. I've been, a whole lot of stuff's been hiding. And I really need to reach out this morning. I really need a touch from the Lord this morning. Would you be willing to come and join me this morning up here can I pray for you this morning don't be ashamed don't be afraid I need I need the Lord to enter in I need the Lord to help me I'm broken I need the peace of God to step into my life Jesus sees me. Jesus knows me. Jesus cares. Amen. I see you. Only if you are comfortable, if you 
if you're able and would like to, you see somebody up here that you'd like to connect with this morning, would you come and stand behind them? Father, this morning, God, we thank you that you are compassionate. And Lord, I know that deep down inside, we're screaming, fix it. Lord, deep down inside, we feel overwhelmed. We don't have the answers. We don't see clearly what the next step is. And God, down inside, we're just screaming, fix it, God. Lord, I pray this morning that as we step up, God, that we recognize that we're not alone, God, that we're not, we're not by ourselves, we're not invisible, but Lord, that you have put others around us, that a part, being a part of the body of Christ is being a part of something that functions together, that identifies an issue, that cares and compassionately moves to action to see your plan fulfilled. And Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you'll bring hope in the midst of hopelessness, God. And God, I pray that as we recognize that it's so easy to get weary and well-doing, God, that, that you are there with us to uplift and encourage. God, I pray that you'll bring peace in the midst of the storm, Lord. And God, when we don't have words to say and we don't know what to do next, God, that, that we can be like the prophet who says, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And today we fix our eyes on you this morning. And we ask for your touch. We ask for your strength, Jesus. Lord, I pray, God, that you'll give peace, Lord, over this body. And Lord, I know that there's a fight, there's a struggle, and, there's, and we're just believing that warring angels are stepping in even right now and, and helping us fight this battle. But Lord, we ask, God, that you'd give peace to our mind, peace to our hearts, Jesus. Father, I pray, Lord in the midst of all the transitions and things that are taking place, God, that we recognize that somebody cares, that somebody is, somebody's looking, somebody's noticing. And Lord, they're reaching out and touching this morning. God, thank you for your peace. Thank you, Lord, that there's nobody here that's looking with a, an, an eye intent on judgment, but God, they're looking with an eye intent on care and compassion. I pray, Lord, this morning that you'll just touch Robert, that you'll touch his body, that you'll touch his home, that you'll touch his family, Lord. God, they need you, Lord Jesus. They need your peace, Lord. And God, I pray that your compassion will just overwhelm this home today, Lord. God, that you'll speak in and say, stop and arise. Stop and arise. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Lord, I pray over every one of us in this room this morning, God, as we leave this place, I pray that we will leave with an understanding, God, that, that you have not called us to warm a bench, but you've called us to be active participants in the kingdom advancement. And Lord, that may look different for some, but Lord, ultimately it means seeing the need speaking 
and being in that need with others and ultimately walking this journey out and helping others become disciples. Well, I thank you, God, for your grace. I thank you for this word. I thank you for each one just today. I pray your Holy Spirit lead us and guide us. We give you praise in Jesus' name. God is good, isn't he? Can we just give God praise this house? Come on. Hallelujah. Today is Grandparents' Day, so we honor you grandparents. And, and Miss Susan has something quickly to announce in closing. Is it on? Yep. Okay. Really quickly, for those of you involved in SWAT or anyone who is interested in being an adopted grandparent, it doesn't matter what your age, if you would like to participate, we've got a room full of kids back there who are eager and ready to bless you with a handmade card and to adopt you as their grandparent and you adopt them. So if you responded to Kathy or if you missed the announcement before and would still like to partake or participate in that if you could right after service and Jamie I'm sorry really quickly before your return thing so in between going to <laughs> going home and the return and whatever if you could swing by the kids church pick out your favorite um, whoever looks cute to you um, please no fighting over the children that's all I ask okay <laughs> all right we've got plenty to go around so if you want to swing by there and pick out your your grandkid that you will adopt um, they want to bless you with a card. And then this Wednesday, it wasn't in the bulletin this week, but don't forget we are having a family Wednesday. And so we especially want you adopted grandparents to be there to um, work with your kids. We're going to do some minute to win it games. Easy peasy, nothing you have to run, nothing you have to exert yourself, nothing crazy, okay? We're not going to make you pass out, but we just want to have some fun with you guys and with the kids. Wait a minute. That's not what you did for me last time. Well, you're not a grandparent. Oh. Not at least, I hope not, right? Okay. <laughs> all right, so that's, what, that's what's going on. And lastly, also, among all of the GROW, there is JBQ starting tonight for all of the parents who want their kids to be involved in that. JBQ is starting tonight with all the GROW services. Junior Bible Quiz. Junior Bible Quiz, JBQ, Junior Bible Quiz. SWAT, if you don't know what SWAT, you're new to here. SWAT is seniors with a testimony, so that way you know. And again, you don't have to be involved in SWAT if you just want to, if you are somebody who would just like to love on kids and be loved on by the kids, um, please stop by the kids' room and see them and pick out whoever's left. God bless you guys. Love you. Appreciate you.